Hello. Hello. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. All I've prepared is the word hello for like an hour. So I hope that's hap- everyone's happy with that. But mm. uh, while we're all finishing getting set up, we are ready to crack on. And uh, let me just uh, have the pleasure of welcoming all of you to this year, 2020 Bristol Transformed. I swear to God, I'll never get tired of being able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what will it transform into this year? We're all very much looking forward to finding out. Yes. Uh, so uh, we are Trash Future, that podcast that you may have listened to before. You may not have. If you've listened to us before, you know what's coming. If you haven't, sorry. Um, uh, I am Riley. You may remember me from every episode of this podcast. I'm joined in studio by Nate, who is on the boards, on the computer, uh, and on the mic as well, this is Nate. We also have, thank you, the, ma- the man works harder than any of us. Uh, we also have Milo. Hello, hi, it's me, uh, your boy. Who Good may, evening. Who may be dropping into one of his famous characters in a moment. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we also have friend of the show, YouTuber, Angie Speaks. Angie. And last but never least, we have Hussein Kesvani. Okay. Um, a lot more applause for Angie and Hussein. That has been noted. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Fine. Whatever. So here's the thing. We didn't want to do this, but according to the Free Speech Union, we have to have Brendan O'Neill here to give a talk to open up. <laughs> it's considered no platforming if you don't invite Brendan O'Neill to open your podcast <laughs> at your leftist podcast festival, because then you're afraid of debate. Mm. Um, so... Everybody, if you're not going to be too afraid of all the debate of free speech that's about to happen, I'd like to invite our good friend Milo to once again shed his skin and transform, emerge from a hideous cocoon as Brendan O'Neill. Yeah, Brendan's not very happy this week. Um, uh, This week, dear reader, the chattering classes of this once great nation have again been all of a flutter with the idea that Pretty Patel, our home secretary, is a workplace bully. As soon as a single loony left Corbynista private secretary resigns, suddenly we all lose all sense of perspective. This quinoa-eating Castroite alleges that Miss Patel <laughs> was known to engage in shouting, swearing, belittling people and making unreasonable and repeated demands. But I ask you, dear reader, is that not what she was elected to do? You may as well ban being a Tory. <laughs> Bristol's an easy crowd. Okay. <laughs> They may, not, they may not be so fashionable now, but there was a time when shouting, swearing, and belittling people were called getting the job done. The time was you could shout, swear, belittle, and smoke all inside the pub. <laughs> Flat cap on your gargantuan head and whip it at your side. As you had a swift half before returning to your job, doubt racism mine, before the Labour Party lost its way. But no longer. Is it perhaps that what really terrifies the woke Stasi so much is the idea of a strong Asian woman in control? The gender Marxists are terrified of Pretty Patel because she is objectively rational, something which they can never be. Despite coming from immigrant stock, she is still preparing to raise income thresholds for immigrants to a level where her own parents could not have come here because she understands that, despite them being her parents, her own parents coming here was objectively bad. (laughs) These are levels of rationality we can all aspire to. Perhaps, indeed, by refusing to allow Miss Patel to practice her own management style, we're denying her employees the chance to thrive. Have we even stopped to consider what if they needed to be bullied and belittled? What if that is their preference, nay, their kink? What would we say then? As for all this talk of making unreasonable demands, I'm sad to see that we've become so weak and unambitious. Was the Clifton suspension bridge not an unreasonable demand? Was was the British Empire not an unreasonable demand? But did we give in? No, we committed war crimes until the job was done. This admittedly applies more to the empire than to the bridge. It is a sad day. It is a sad day, dear reader, when we can no longer allow the rough and tumble of office life to take its course. But we must enter a new rule into our employment handbooks, expressing that there is no joshing, no unkindness of any sort. We will print it in section 19.84. 
Thank you. Uh, Milo. Yet again, yet again, you continue to astonish me and our listening audience here and our listening audience at home with just what you're able to rationalize through the most tortured prism of Brendan O'Neill. Truly, you have empathy. I do. So, uh, again, for, uh, for those of you who might uh, not... This is the cop segment, of course. Exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> Blue Lives Matter, we're going to be respecting the siren, of course, with some silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the troops of here. Anyway, uh, so for those of you who are, uh, are familiar with us, you know how the startup segment works. Uh, for those of you who aren't, I have found a startup that exists, has been funded to the tune of more than $5 million, and really shouldn't uh, exist at all, either for dystopia reasons, money-wasting reasons, or usually both. So, uh, I, am, I have now taken some of their advertising copy, blanked out certain words, and my co-hosts are going to try to guess what it is, and they're not going to be able to do it, because it's... It's worse than the one we did last year. It's worse. It's way worse. It's so much worse. Oh, no. How does this happen every time? Uh, In fact, it has probably affected some of your lives, and you don't even know it. So, Mm. the startup is called Riff, uh, and it is spelled with a Y. I'm going to give the first guess to Angie. I have no idea. (laughs) I have absolutely no idea. Uh, is this a startup that helps you with the nightmare that Olga was telling me about this morning in the car where she said that she had a bad dream that uh, her boyfriend broke up with her because she couldn't riff well enough? <laughs> okay, and, so- uh, and she said that she literally, in her dream, started phoning me and she's like, talk to Milo, he'll tell you I can riff. <laughs> so wait, hold on, hold on. You're saying, okay, it's a joke book. It's, this- a, it's a company, it's an app that helps you riff. It's an app that helps you riff. Hussein, what do yeah. you got? Right, it's an app that helps podcasters like set up uh-huh. And everyone knows that a good podcast has to have a riff, right? Everyone's listened to Pod Save America. Yeah. They have great riffs. Yeah. So mm. it kind of gives you like pre-made riffs. Yeah. But they you have the Russian just... guy that comes on. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 it, and it works in every single podcast situation. So you can host a leftist podcast or you could host like a weird Nazi gamer podcast and the riffs would still work <laughs> because they're all about anime women. It's about universal <laughs> basic riffs. For the real um, women. It was like that uh, Pod Save America riff where they told Elizabeth Warren to get the DNA test. <laughs> Actually true. That's why she did it, because the Pod Save America guys told her to. Oh, those guys <laughs> rule. Like this is like the best conclusion to like this particular era. Hmm. Um, okay. So, Riff is a proprietary platform that integrates 3D blank into blank. Oh, it's 3D like a flashlight. anime women into podcasts. <laughs> okay, Hussein right? is closest. Oh my god. Oh hell yeah! I love it when it when an anime woman comes in Emperor Palpatine hologram style into the middle of the podcast live show. <laughs> uh, Nate, you've been doing tech stuff. Do you have any guesses? It integrates 3D blank into blank. No. <laughs> Correct. So mm. we're gonna we're gonna do one further. Reaching your target blank has become increasingly difficult with traditional blank. We aim to solve that. Uh, I'm assuming your target uh, audience, but it's, I'm just wondering what is it targeting? If it sounds like 3D printing, but is it letting you 3D print things to mail to people, combining, I don't know, direct mail right, and 3D printing? It's 3D printing gollywogs to get around the woke stars here. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, they won't sell them oh. to me in the shop anymore? Wow. <laughs> so Which it's is, a British startup is what you're saying. Yes. It's like basically, or Dutch. Or Dutch. Yeah. Fair, fair. So it's like, like a spectator writer who's tired of airport security confiscating his metal <laughs> racist dog. My antique gollywogs. <laughs> and, and Angie, we're going to throw back to you. Reaching your target blank has become increasingly difficult with traditional blank, and we aim to solve that. Oh, mate. Um, reaching your target riff has become... <laughs> increasingly difficult wait you have to say it again I've with lost. traditional blank with traditional um i guess podcasts i'm not sure <laughs> so all right we're gonna do one more and then we're gonna do the big reveal here is the problem it is solving in its own words monetizing content is increasingly difficult especially when the most watched content comes from back catalogs uh, uh. okay you know what <laughs> You know Is what? This, am I getting a porny vibe from this? <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like this is a way of categorizing all your Sasha Gray videos from your old hard drive? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is from her black and white period. <laughs> um, no, no, okay. You know what we're going to do? 
Like last year, I have sourced a clip. This clip should answer all of the questions, and everything I've said should become extremely obvious, and more to the point, horrifying. What this company does is it integrates a 3D model of anything, specifically a product or a brand, into already existing back catalogs of films and TV shows. Our product placement in the past. There we go. Fuck, That's so we it. can just put Hinge into 1986's Highlander. <laughs> Fuck so, yeah. Riff provides a turnkey solution for content owners to integrate brands into already fully shot, edited, and mastered content. Just because a brand wasn't shot into the scene or existed at the time does not mean, <laughs> does not mean it can't be inserted digitally using 3D models where they would naturally fit. So, oh. if you've ever wanted to see a version of Casablanca where they all have AirPods... <laughs> I'm, I'm running with this fucking steamy New York parking garage. I behead a guy, and then I meet the woman of my dreams. Hinge, there can be only one! <laughs> so, um, as it claims, uh, Riff dynamically manipulates the images of products, so like the Patron bottle, or the box of, ta a box of tacos, or a Dunkin' Donuts mm. coffee, or whatever and can put it into any existing video, anything. So um, what they say is, Riff successfully takes the concept of product placement, the only advertising format that cannot be skipped by the viewer. <laughs> uh, I don't remember there being this much cocaine in Charlie Bit My Finger. and delivers a scalable and adaptable advertising solution, which is a phrase I love that I have said, that can be applied to any content at any time in any market, said Roy Taylor, the founder and CEO, in a statement. Netflix to replace Kevin Spacey in all dramas with, like, the poppin' fresh guy. <laughs> so, where previously a car company might put a single model into a scene... That would be fixed forever, so you can only sell the product placement once. Uh, they can now offer different models for different viewers in the same show at the same time, and they can target it to based on who's watching. So a family would see a sedan and a car chase scene, whereas a single person would see a sports car. Oh my god. I'm, I'm really excited to just, like, really fuck up everything they know about me and get to the point where I'm, like, I'm watching Seinfeld and he's driving a lowrider for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, so, it, you know, I, 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 I really... Um, I, this is one of these, one of these classic uh, all-that-is-solid-melts-into-air moments, you know, where mm. nothing that... No piece... No, no, no film, no TV show, nothing is safe... Everything is now subject to product placement yeah. forever. No matter what George Costanza is saying, he's constantly using a Nutribullet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Angie, I'm going I'm to throw to you for a second once the cops leave. Sorry, it's the Blue Lives Matter moment again. Um, They're yeah, arresting sorry. us for being incivil to brands. Yeah. I, actually, I actually think it's a great opportunity for us to get creative with it. I'd be interested to see they live, but with like lush bath bomb ads like where all the obey signs are I'd, I'd be down for that also like low-key what the fuck is going on in bristol because like you don't get that many sirens in south london like what, yeah, it's weird. Like, what kind of fucked up bristol criminals have we got going on <laughs> so i'm sorry you're gonna have to explain <laughs> no you're gonna have to explain that doesn't after. sound like a dangerous name <laughs> you're going to have to explain after uh yeah. so this is, uh, this is from the New York Times, and this is where this company is bragging about its ability to micro-target. A viewer known to us to be a whiskey drinker would see in Entourage a billboard for a liquor brand, <laughs> whereas wow. a Mormon watching the same scene would see a billboard for a fizzy water company. <laughs> so, oh, you know, hell yeah. Netflix, because that's the thing, like, Netflix basically knows what religion you are or what you consume or and all of that. And then what they can do is dynamically edit back episodes of Entourage you're watching to make sure you're advertised the right stuff. Oh, well, I really love the episode of Entourage where they all went out and got fruit juices and bought new tie pins. <laughs> <laughs> 
I kind of like Hussein's idea, though, that you know that the brand has figured out your true persona if anime pillows just start appearing everywhere. It's like, <laughs> what kind of Mormon was watching Entourage? I'm so curious about this demographic. So all I can imagine is I'm watching like some sort of like, what's like that clip dating show that's on Netflix right now? The one oh, where, uh, like, f- love at first marriage. Whatever it's called, right? Yeah. The one where like this, what the one where it's like that weird love at first show marriage is the Mormon version where um. <laughs> Yeah, the like weird white people arranged marriage show. So you can be watching that, and like somehow there'll be an anime an, anime pillow, yeah. and some like dog walking around in like weird BDSM leather stuff. <laughs> um, and they'll know it's that you. was there as well. Yeah, none of these things are fake or like stuff that's come out of my head. They were things that were genuinely on the site. Um, so I, yeah. I think I think it's anyway, incredible. That, that, means that, that means like TV rules, because that's what yeah. I want to see. I want to see that shit. I want to watch The Irishman, and like. See Robert De Niro with an anime <laughs> anime pillow. Yeah, you'd see. You could Robert see. De Niro's in a giant inflatable conservatory <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, they could be like, I hear you paint houses, and then when the splatter goes on, it could be like Banksy. Mm. <laughs> it's like Skynet met like and had a baby with IKEA. It's just like this dystopian like like surveillance capitalism plus like tat that like no one needs. Like. <laughs> Well, the Look, cop's going to chase down Banksy. Is he like the Scarlet Pimpernel of Bristol? He's fucking painted another one. <laughs> Let's get over there, boys. We're going to get him this time. Also, I, I really do like the idea of uh, Married at First Sight or whatever the show is called, but they, di- they do digitally edit in instead of the wife and anime body pillow specifically for you. <laughs> Streaming services uh, could also drop in brand name products based on when the show is being watched. Someone who watches a streaming show in the morning could see a carton of orange juice, <laughs> while well, a different viewer watching the same thing in the afternoon would see a can of soda. So, um, you yeah, know, that's a dramatic shift. <laughs> that really. Also, like, who's leaving their house in the morning to buy orange juice? Like, at, at best, that's prompting you to drink orange juice you already have. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no way that this end that that this ends with like the, the kind of most common ad being like single hot forties. Or just around the corner waiting for you, <laughs> right? The idea of like, yeah, you're just you're just watching like some film about the Marquis de Sade, but everyone's drinking orange juice because <laughs> you're watching it at nine thirty on a oh Monday morning. Oh my god, I could be watching like Salo on the Criterion Collection, <laughs> and I could be getting like ads for like Welch's grape juice. I was thinking, I was thinking about this because there was, a, 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 I think it was sort of a parody version of what Google Glasses, when that was a thing people thought was a good idea, would look like if. It, basically, if instead of being like an optional display everywhere you went, everything you looked at, it gave you pop-up ads. It was just this horrible nightmare. But this is basically that, but in a way it's worse because what I can imagine is anytime you watch TV based on your search history, it's just, you know, like you said, you're watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and you see all these vintage LA storefronts that just say local mums in your area. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, now, this technology, the following technology I'm about to mention, hasn't yet been integrated with this company, but it's only a matter of time. Because a Voodoo, which is a Walmart-owned streaming service, uh, hilariously named, has mm. now included something called shoppable ads on all internet-connected TVs, which means that you can use your remote to click Add to Cart anytime you see a product, which uh. means... <laughs> yes, uh, the sighs I'm hearing from the crowd are correct. It means... It basically means you're never going to be able to watch The Irishman again without being asked if you want to buy, like, a certain brand of hot dog or gun. Your, d- your dad just frantically clicking add to car every time Gillian Anderson comes on screen. Yeah. Doesn't work that way, pa. I think it's, I think it's great. It's like Pokemon Go, but, like, for grown-ups. I'm, I'm into the exactly. It's Pokemon Go, but you don't have to go anywhere, and you just have to sit down. And occasionally, you could buy an orange juice because, like, the dad in Modern Family was just, you know... You know what it is? In The Simpsons, where they're, like, when they're at Camp Krusty, and they're like, I'd like to welcome Mr. Black. It's that, but for, you know, juice and soda and basically everything that could possibly be purchased, but also in the back catalog of a Netflix show. I've now worked out how this format will be destroyed. The first time that uh, Hussein goes on and watches Pokemon, but all the product placement is for Digimon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They'll be like, we had to pull the plug. It was getting too dangerous. Uh, here is the, the vision for what this will be and what it will do to entertainment. Imagine a future. This is an investor in the company who's written about it. Imagine a future where an IP owner can maximize the value of its IP 
by putting it on the Riff marketplace, where it can then be bid on by a potentially infinite number of advertisers. So the content can be mapped uh, for dozens, if not hundreds, of product placement opportunities, uh, which will then be ranked and priced by their effectiveness based on like where they are in the show, how prominent they are, and so on. So in effect, Ford could essentially um, pay like a million dollars to replace Joey from Friends with a Ford Focus. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Joey doesn't share fuel. <laughs> um, on a date with two different hatchbacks at the same time. <laughs> yeah, everything is the movie Cars now. Um, and then they can actually bid automatically on in-video placement opportunities that fit their marketing strategies and budgets. And then 3D brand assets can be uploaded and inserted dynamically right before the moment of video delivery. So in effect... Everything is always an ad forever in every element of it. Um, and it's never even the same ad twice. You will never be able to rewatch anything because most of it is going to be bid for by uh, Ford. So all of the friends will be different cars. So, <laughs> What if you're watching like a period piece or like a fantasy thing? Like what kind of products would they put in that? No, wa like washing powder. <laughs> uh, yeah. Essence of nightshade. A, 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 an old wooden ship of some sort. Gollywogs. Um, cocaine, yeah. which was legal at the time. Exactly, yeah. Um, it was a medicament against hysteria. Yeah. You know, uh, cu cures, for, cures for fake Victorian diseases like neurasthenia. Uncut gems, but you can replace Julia Fox with a hatchback. <laughs> Just a hatchback with a huge ass. I mean, ultimately, like, ultimately, the conclusion of all this when it comes to movies is that every movie becomes a Fast and Furious movie, right? Yes, correct. Which is good, again. I'm into <laughs> right. this. This is great. Awesome. Just Adam Sandler just absolutely pounding a Kia Picanto. <laughs> well, I think the thing is... And then Kia are just like, is this good advertising? <laughs> I think what, what you're missing is every movie becomes... I'm aware I'm going to be the only person in this audience who's ever seen this movie. Every movie becomes the movie Food Fight which is famously one of the worst movies ever made. Um, it was, it was it made in the early 2000s by an animation studio that decided it wanted to make a fantasy epic set in a grocery store uh, where all the characters were anthropomorphized brands. And so they, the idea was the movie would make most of its money trying to sell like Land O'Lakes Butter to make one of the heroes of the movie the Land O'Lakes Butter Lady. And... Again, famously, it's the worst movie that's ever been made in the history of filmmaking, ever. It's worse than The Room. Um, that's what most people hear. Yeah. Uh, yes, correct. It's, gen it's genuinely quite shocking. And what this company seems to aim to do is to turn every single movie ev that's ever been made into food fight uh, for the, the movie from 2002. So... Um, but after one small donation from one small podcast, the hero of the movie ended up being Niagara Wines. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, um, yeah. it's the hero Peller Estates. Promising so, to take all of the foods away to a pleasant microclimate. <laughs> so here's the thing. On an escarpment. Riff's first disclosed partnership is with the reality television producer Endemol Shine. And in fact... Many of the, its ads have been digitally inserted into this season of Big Brother, which would be a concern if anyone had watched it. Um, <laughs> however, here, here's a quick question. What, Endemol Shine's a production company. It makes a lot of different stuff. Yeah, familiar. What is the other big thing that Endemol Shine makes that isn't a reality show? Oh, damn. They used to make a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, I'll give you a hint. It's ironic. Yes, they, they make, make I'm us. pretty sure they make eight out of ten cats, don't they? <laughs> no, they let's say they make the show that this kind of technology might feature. Oh, is it Black Mirror? They make Black Mirror, yes. Oh, no. Amazing. <laughs> Their main partnership you know, what is. If with what if your mum was an ad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, um, they were able to take the video of your birth and replace you with a Ford Focus. <laughs> oi, oi, mate, have you ever shagged a Honda Civic? <laughs> what if you could? <laughs> Um, so the only actual brand partnership they've announced is with something called um, Perfecta Mundo Tequila, which is owned by Paul Oakenfold, the record producer and trance DJ. What? What? 
I, I resent the shitty simulation that we live in. I like. I feel like they should do better. You know, <laughs> they're not putting the effort in that they used to. So you know, I personally, I love. <laughs> I loved watching, you know, the scene in, Utca- in, in Uncut Gems where they're making that bet on how delicious Perfecta Mundo Tequila is with lime. 100%. It's a 26-way bet somehow <laughs> on all the different flavor profile elements of Perfecta Mundo. Will it be truly Perfecta Mundo? There's no way you're going to pull off this bet. No tequila's ever been completely Perfecta Mundo. <laughs> Said Paul Oakenfold. Riff's new technology is a game changer for Perfect Mundo. <laughs> Damn, that was really a starry-eyed surprise for him, huh? <laughs> yeah, three people for that joke. Cool. <laughs> I've always thought that there was a huge opportunity for brands to utilize enter- branded entertainment to create a unique personal relationship with our customers, and now we can help prove this theory with Riff and Perfect Mundo tequila, said Paul Oakenfold. Wow. Where did where where's Paul Oakenfold been? You know, like it's just it's just like starry-eyed surprise, fifteen years of nothing, and then just Perfectimundo. Yeah, apparently yeah. He, I have been Perfectimundoing the uh, the world's greatest tequila, the ultimate tequila. Yeah, I don't know why he sounds like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he is. He's 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 um uh, uh, Paul Jason Statham Oakenfold. You drinking? You drinking tequila there, brother? <laughs> so, um, in any case, it seems as though. Um, all movies and all TV are going to be ruined forever in about two years when and if this technology scales. So Hell yeah. get your binging in now. The Marvel Cinematic Universe extends to Paul Oakenfold now. <laughs> He's the new guy. Yeah, so, any case, I want to move on to our second segment because mm-hmm. the last time we came to Bristol Transformed, uh, we spoke about the shadowy public school local Illuminati that is somehow specific to Bristol. The Merchant Venturers. Not for a moment. (laughs) No, chill, chill there, chill there. This is when when it becomes a sex party. (laughs) I hope you all bought your trunks. (laughs) I need trunks, never mind. Um, So, we've decided to continue that tradition but we're going to talk about another shadowy public school figure that's less of an Illuminati and more of a Dracula, allegedly, that's weirdly specific to a different town. Um, But this is, trust me, no less unusual than when we talked about how the merchant venturers worship the hair and fingernails of Edward Colston. (laughs) You you people all know that. I I had to learn it. There are other people who do that? I thought that was our thing. Mm. So, um, this town, we might have heard about in the news because it's been talked about uh, quite frequently as one of the um, old Red Wall communities, is Bishop Auckland. And it has a little bit of a strange undercurrent right now in the form of a wealthy benefactor who I'm pretty sure is a Dracula. Let's talk about it. Bishop Auckland, little background, 25,000 person, former mining town near Durham. It's one of the poster children for like the decay and decline of British regions and so on and so on and so on. You know the rest of the story. However, it has one thing that others don't, which is... The Dungaree Factory. The Dungaree Factory and a very, very eccentric billionaire who has taken it upon himself to align himself with the town by buying it, effectively. So, I'm going to give a little background. He's called Jonathan Ruffer. He's one of the richest men in England. Uh, He is a uh, fund manager, and he's decided to take the business of regenerating the town of Bishop Auckland into his own hands, in line with a set of priorities that would be consistent with the same priorities that a Dracula would have. I'm not saying he's a Dracula. (laughs) Can't sue me. I'm not saying you're a Dracula. I'm saying your priorities are Draculish. We're just, we're just asking questions, you know? Maybe he's been reading these Dracula success business books. I don't know. Isn't this like the plot of The Wicker Man? <laughs> Look, I'm not saying he's a plot of the... He's not a Wicker Man. He's not the Yellow King. He's just acting in a way that I wouldn't be surprised if this turns out to be a Wicker Man situation. <laughs> mm. So... 
Jonathan Ruffer's interest in Bishop Auckland, says the BBC, isn't immediately clear. Because he's a dragon, mm. allegedly. The 68-year-old investment fund manager had no connection to Bishop Auckland until a decade ago. As I'm dropped off by a perturbed-looking townsperson at the bottom of a very long driveway. He'll find you, they say. <laughs> but the avid art collector decided to intervene when the Church of England chose to sell the town's famous collection of paintings that hung in Auckland Castle. Mm. Yes. So it involves a castle. I wonder just, oh, gee, what, why are these august old institutions and councils and stuff facing so much fiscal tightness that they have to sell off all the paintings to rich Draculas, allegedly? I don't know. And also, where are all these you know, vampires getting all their money from? I mean, I would have thought the vampiring business had been in decline since at least 1900. Oh, this alleged vampire is allegedly a fund manager. Ah, it's more of a metaphorical vampire. Allegedly. Mm. We're going to get a lot of mileage out of the word allegedly in the next little while. Also, a lawyer friend recently told me that saying allegedly doesn't work if it's alleged by you. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's being like someone who is allegedly a pedophile by me now. Um, (laughs) um, Uh, Congratulations, you've witnessed the final Trash Future podcast. (laughs) If we can't can't say allegedly to shield us from lawsuits, we cannot do this show. No. Allegedly. Mm. Anyway, uh, so what started, and this is continuing in the um, BBC, what started as a simple art deal has now evolved into a grand sweeping mission to rejuvenate the economy in the Northeast. Yes. Rejuvenate the economy. Mm. I wanted to take, this is him now talking allegedly, I wanted to take on the regeneration of an area that was almost totally bypassed by this brave new world, he explains. Mm. And now, Somewhere far away from road links. <laughs> <laughs> and now hatches vast plans under the umbrella of an organization called the Auckland Project. <laughs> Which should sound like something from Resident Evil. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, that's, that's a very sinister sentence, right? He now hatches vast plans under the umbrella of the Auckland Project. Mm. I'm not saying there's any, any like, you know, sacrifice or um, Draculism going on. Mm. We're not saying he drinks blood, right? He's not Peter Thiel. But the point is, it's weird. So... Out of this one decision made in 2012 to save one art collection once has spun out the purchase or construction of an art museum about mining, an art museum about Spain, a weirdly specific ancient Roman altar a couple miles out of town, several... (laughs) Not not joking. Several walled gardens in a deer park, a castle, uh, a semi-private enterprise venue for social whatever called Eleven Arches, a historical theme park, and a very strange new tower built in a very strange place in the town that's Mm. an information center. So a castle, a Roman altar, a ready supply of deer, and a mysterious tower. (laughs) Hmm. Allegedly. Mm. No, that's just true. We're not not alleging anything on top of that. That's just those are the things he happens to have bought in a very suspicious order. (laughs) Look, do they come in the shape of a pentagram? What doesn't these days? (laughs) Uh, And... And uh, also at this theme park is um, a, nighttime, a nighttime show and ritual called Kinren, which is a, allegedly a performance of the history of England put on by local volunteers. Jonathan Ruffer said, using local people creates in, an intensity. People cry at the end. There's something elemental about what's going on. Oh <laughs> Uh, the main purpose of Kinren was to get all the villagers' pitchforks into one place. <laughs> Certainly a very regular ritual done by a very regular guy. Hmm. But it's giving, but it's like passing feelings onto each other. Yeah. You know. Weirdly, Bishop Auckland is the only town in the whole of Britain where there is no oak whatsoever. <laughs> um, so that's, that's all of what he has bought, built, or otherwise um, excavated. <laughs> Which, again, that last thing is weird. Why excavate the Roman altar? 
Unless you're planning to do something weird about it. This is why I'm mad that like you regressive left people kicked Alex Jones off of YouTube. Because this is like the perfect thing for our daddy Jones to go and like, he, he did Bohemian Grove. I mean, come on, this is just like ripe for it. The thing so, is, I, I was gonna say the thing is like, the, a, a vampire colony sounds scary, but we also have to bear in mind this is the British vampire colony, which means it's, like it's going to suck and be boring as well, right? So, like, you can have a really cool gothic tower, which would, like, really emphasize that I'm a vampire and I'm coming for your souls. But it's probably going to be, like, just a really boring Perspex tower block, It is. Right? Yeah. It is. You got it. And, all the, it. and all the vampires are just like Blue Peter presenters. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the BBC's known about it for years. <laughs> uh, there's also a plan to renovate several derelict hotels. You know, mm. Overlook, The Bates, and so on. Um, and the Auckland Project has been steadily buying up empty shops, but its proposals for them remain under wraps. <laughs> it's very small thunder a far distance away uh, a, a, a small thunder who has anxiety yes so how much money is this businessman willing to spend more than we were on that sound effect <laughs> quite the opposite Milo I'm very shy he says when it comes to talking about the amount of the expenditure said Ruffer swirling an ornate goblet of what I can only assume is red wine <laughs> Only talk to us at night. <laughs> I'm a drain pipe. Whatever comes in at the top leaves at the bottom, and I'll leave it at that. He Wait, adds cryptically. This is it. He's a human centipede. That's that's what I'm taking from this. Look, he's all kinds of different horror movies. He's basically Universal monsters. Hell yeah. <laughs> Although Mr. Ruffer is vague about the amount that he's spending, the scale of the project is clear. He hopes the tourist attractions, which are just off the main shopping artery, will help the circulation of blood to the town center. He literally said that. He actually said that. <laughs> Incredible. Yes, we want to help the circulation of blood to the town center. Where I, near where I've bought this altar and am conducting a ritual frequently and I've built this tower and I'm slowly keeping all of these shops under wraps. Yes, the thunder! Yes. Thunder, it's alive! Do not look under the tarpaulin. The tarpaulin will be removed when the time is nigh. I love that. I love that we're just, you're doing gentrification but somehow we have to put it through the aesthetics of the movie Pet Cemetery. Uh, yeah, because he's basically reading a spell from the Necronomicon to encourage gentrification, allegedly. <laughs> so, who is, who is Jonathan Ruffer? Seems like an odd guy. I make my money here in London uh, through my investment fund, then I recycle it up there, Ruffer said uh, during a recent chat at his firm, Ruffer LLP's boardroom in London. That part of the world, he said, referring to the Northeast, saw its best days in the 19th century, depending on you ask. Hmm. And it's very much in need of a helping hand. I wanted to create a series of excellences that would put a spring back in its step. You know the normal way by building a strange specific tower, taking up an ancient Roman altar, keeping large spaces of the town under wraps, and then conducting a mass ritual on a regular basis. That's just gentrification. <laughs> That's how it happens. First they did it in Dalston, now it's Bishop Auckland's turn. <laughs> Love going and sitting in the ball pit around the old Roman altar. <laughs> um, so, Ruffer, who's an evangelical Christian, says... Ah. <laughs> ah, sorry. Ah. I should have put that up He's front. that kind of weirdo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, no, I've, saw, I've seen a picture of him. He only ever has a picture taken of him wearing a V-neck jumper and, like, a, a shirt sitting in some kind of, like, threadbare but overstuffed living room. He's dark John McDonnell. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, Cause it's not sus. Like if you show too much nip, it might get a bit gay, right? Like you gotta be, you gotta so be says, clear. He says, I've long had a passion for the Spanish Baroque, probably because he lived through it because he's immortal. <laughs> and I discovered the work Baroque derives from Baracco, meaning a deformed pearl. Buying this castle and these paintings, making them the property of everyone was godly. For mankind is a deformed pearl. 
Now that we have that working, I'm so amped. <laughs> I'm going to be queuing Thunder all the time. <laughs> Everybody in this room wishes they could queue Thunder. Hell yeah. We have the capacity to love, to have treasure, but we can't be trusted to treasure the right thing. Personal giving releases our grasp on material things and gives us compassion for people. And the people become our treasure. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's really starting to remind me of the villain from Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> I think it's partly the sort of Jonathan Price ass voice that you're doing. Uh, Mr. Bond, you've never understand that I write the news. <laughs> I love that the whole point of that movie is that like there's a guy who just wants to get the first scoop on the news. So he's just doing terrorism so he can write about it in his newspaper. <laughs> what fucking concept for a villain is that? <laughs> <laughs> the, con the content game is hard, man. You gotta yeah. do what you gotta do. Isn't, isn't that like what Peter Parker did to himself as Spider-Man? Like, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> if anything, Jonathan Price is the real hero of Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> mm. He's the original podcaster. So, we're, we're saying, right, like, he's... He seems to actually be, like, trying to, you know, help this community out. He seems to be doing things that aren't on their face bad. But this is Trash Future. Of course it's bad. Um, mm. This is, uh, he's thinking here of a text on Christian socialism. It reads pathetically, give your money to the hands of the state so they can manage it more fairly than you would manage it yourself. He laughs. It was so innocent. Ah, 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 ah. I have outlived hundreds of your states. Ah, 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 ah. The reason the British... Where is the Duchy of Lithuania now? Ah, 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 ah. The reason the British have been so bad as philanthropists is that from 1940 to 1990, they felt the state had been trying to steal their money. So, here's the thing. Before that, we were awesome philanthropists. <laughs> Damn, just building railways for every motherfucker. <laughs> you know, doing some light imperialism, but some heavy industry. Exactly. You know, so, um, but that, that's right. Like, that's the, the real evil, right? The real monstrous thing. Like, just like Frankenstein is a parody of a human. So what Jonathan Ruffer is doing with Bishop Auckland, which is attempting to revitalize it by creating a tourist destination in the shape of all the things that he thinks are lovely, is like a parody of the Preston model, where, like, there's no... The, the, commu the, the, the community of Bishop Auckland, it gets, like, a tower and like some paintings to try to draw people in from outside. But it's not like any of, it's not like any of the like, the procurement for any of those things come from, comes from inside Bishop Auckland. Like no, there's no, like the jobs that have been created are to serve like Southern people and like rich people coming in and visiting. It's not like, it's not like much opportunities being created here. It's just Jonathan Ruffer was like, oh no, my treats. My treats are being eroded by neoliberalism. I must intervene. Many work opportunities have been created in connection with the event. <laughs> you will learn the details of the event in due course, mortal. I mean, fellow mortal. <laughs> so like, what's, what's been the impact, right? Some new businesses have opened in recent years, but mostly they're just cafes. And they're not even good cafes. I mean, one of them is just a 50s-themed coffee shop which sells cream teas and has its employees in rockabilly outfits. Vampires love that stuff. Mm. <laughs> the croc, monsieur, does not contain any human blood. <laughs> but it does contain additives. <laughs> and what the locals make of it is hardly better. I mean... In, um, and this is from another article. A woman from the area called Nikki Caruso says she would rather Bishop Auckland had a Primark than a castle. But it's always had a castle. Yes! Yes! He didn't bring the castle. He's not that much of a Dracula. 
<laughs> he just bought the car. Is she under the impression that the castle appeared when he arrived, like out of a thick mist? I, I, I think it's more that Jonathan, Jonathan Ruffer's interventions have quite a bit to do with Jonathan Ruffer and his mm. strange Dracula requirements. <laughs> Nicky Caruso remembers when this was a proper Italian neighborhood. But this, 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 this goes back to the fact that like, this seems to be like one of the weirdest places to set up a vampire colony because you have people who would just rather have like a Primark and a Burger King and I can imagine like he's digging up these like Roman ruins and like the next day he comes in and he sees a bunch of teenagers smoking weed and he can't get them out to actually continue the digging. <laughs> like it just sort of feels like this is like, this could be like, this is a situation where it's just calamity after calamity. It, it, it literally does not, it, it, I cannot see a version of this that doesn't end up with him summoning something or maybe transforming into something, <laughs> or mm. starting some kind of or just getting really event. mad, turning into a bat and going to hull. <laughs> um, bat out of hull, damn. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what what really strikes me about this, right, is this is a regeneration of of this town, which, like, let's not kid ourselves, is in need of some investment, but on not by or for the people of the place but rather by and for someone who literally became rich from the process that made it no longer an economically viable place to live. <laughs> Coming in and being like, ah, my treats! No, my paintings, my fancies, my jollies! No, ne the process that enabled me to come and save these in a way that I choose mustn't be allowed to, to take these things that I think are fun. I have been undermining rural communities for hundreds of years. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> You know, um, and so like they say, uh, uh, one of the, another person interviewed in this article uh, says that the castle's nice, but nothing of the custom trickles down to anyone in Bishop Auckland at all. <laughs> People go to the castle and then they leave and go home. Tourists don't see Bishop Auckland. They go and they we were, see a car park. <laughs> we were told that people would go up to the castle and they'd come back down and spend money in cafes, but no one who goes to the castle ever returns. <laughs> But, like, the reason that I've chosen the running metaphor for this segment to be that Jonathan Ruffer is a Dracula is, A, all of the weird specific shit he's doing that's very Dracula-ish, but, B, that, no, he's not literally a Dracula. Uh, he's not actually a vampire. Like, but and Because it looks like and It says so on his personal website, which is how <laughs> you know it's true. Yeah, it says so on the shirt he's wearing, which <laughs> is how you know. Yeah. No, like, what he's actually doing, right is he's, it looks like he's regenerating Bishop Auckland, but what he's doing is he is rebuilding Bishop Auckland in his own image. He's essentially turning it into a theme park for himself. He's turning it into a Renfield, and he's turning himself into a patrician local noble who wants to then transform everything into something that's like him, according to his interests, what he wants, what he likes, which I think when you ask me, like, that's kind of what Dracula does. That's literally what Dracula does. It's just instead of with fangs, he's doing it with all the money he made from making the place bad in the first place. It's crazy. Would you like to come into the castle? A day pass is seven pounds, or a pass for all eternity is seven pounds fifty. <laughs> well, the all eternity one does sound like a good deal, David. <laughs> what if we want to come back? It's only 50p extra, I mean... In the rest of eternity, it's a long time. That's all I'm saying. It's, I don't see why we wouldn't. It seems he's giving it away. Really, I don't know. We should buy that one. Look, it's expensive to live somewhere. We could just be here for eternity. It's a solution to the housing crisis. But wait, um, so I'm I'm gonna throw to you guys for uh, reflections on the fact that actually Jonathan Ruffer might be better considered to be a vampire than just a guy regenerating a town. Sorry, that was him. I'm just freaked out that Mr. Burns is actually real right now. <laughs> Why not both? Why can't he be a vampire who wants to gentrify this town? Why can't he be a vampire who, you know, wants to kind of create his colony, but also cares a lot about young people, like, having housing to live in, right? Like, that's my take. Like, why not both? Why can't a vampire set up a WeWork? I think he's like an... 
I think he's like one of those like ethical vampires, and he like yeah. takes yeah. care. Twilight. He takes care of his chattel really well. Drinking vegan blood. Yeah, we're like we're like the wagyu beef. They're like the wagyu beef. But this of, like, this was like a thing from Twilight where they were like, oh, this family is like ethical vampires because they don't suck the blood of humans. They just do it from animals, right? Or like I don't know. Like, <laughs> use the I blood you can get from joke shops. <laughs> 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 Which, oddly enough, they're setting one up in Bishop Auckland. <laughs> it sells all of Jonathan Ruffer's favorite whoopee cushions. I have come to gentrify this town because you cannot get avocado toast in Eastern Romania. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> when he built that bat airy. Yeah. I like the idea of like a vampire commuting to London regularly. Um, just like dealing with like the train just like a, like a bat with a little tie hilarious <laughs> and cranking upside down from the pole fantastic I'm for this now fuck it Jonathan Rufford buy and gentrify my town I want you to turn me into a vampire I want to be a commuter getting, bat getting overcharged by Richard Branson <laughs> I don't think it would be that big a deal we have enough eldritch horrors in London so a couple more commuting in wouldn't make much of a difference not like here in Bristol where there are no eldritch horrors <laughs> putting putting together a coffin from Ikea. <laughs> so yeah, he's not Dracula. He's just a financier who grew enough of a conscience to want to help, but not enough of a conscience to materially empower anyone he's helping. <laughs> Which, when you think about it, fucking sucks. Uh, anyway, um, I do believe we have nattered on for our allotted hour. So... With that in mind, I would like to say, number one, thank you all for coming to listen to our nattering. Uh, please. Um, I think the sound... Yes, I, I think the sound is too fucked up to play any kind of uh, walk-off music, so we're going to keep it dry, keep it no, none, none of that for now, but... I also want to thank all of the fine people at Bristol Transformed uh, for uh, inviting us here, especially Isaac, our light tech. Um, And finally, uh, I want to thank all of my co-hosts, especially Angie Speaks, for being here with us on the panel today. (laughs) 